It's a new year and a new season of Flash Memoir. Memoria is an independent podcast run by volunteers. Our writers, audio editors and illustrator pour hours into producing work for this podcast, which is why we need your support to keep going. Go to our website at memoriapodcast.com and consider becoming a patron. For as little as $5 a month or the cost of a cup of coffee, you can help support us so we can keep on doing what we do. Hi, I'm Nat V, and welcome to Season 4 of Memoria. Flash Memoir, we've adapted into bite-sized audio stories with sound effects and music. Each episode explores a moment that shaped us. To begin our new season, we have something special for you. A series of live stories we recorded in conjunction with the Spirit of Punk at the end of last year. The principle of Spirit of Punk is simple. All you need to do is show up and read a piece of your own work, no longer than the duration of a Ramon song. The recordings are live, so there are some little mic disturbances here and there. But more than anything, there is that unmistakable courage as writers take to the stage to read their non-fiction stories. So to kick it all off, here is Nick Brash to tell us how he started Spirit of Punk. And as with every Spirit of Punk event, Nick follows his introduction by reading one of his own pieces. Tonight, Nick reads his flash memoir, I Can Tell Anyone Anything. Okay. Uh, so let me um, forgive, forgive uh, apologies to those who have heard this preamble before, um, but just a very uh, quick intro about the spirit of punk and where it came from uh, about four or five years ago. Um, I was reading a book about uh, punk rock, uh, which I tend to do quite often. It was a very important part of my life. Um, and I was reading about how punk was very much like Dadaism in that in the very beginning stages, it was very much about just having a go, anybody just having a go, and not worrying about quality, the cream eventually rose to the top, but it was about people just getting up there and having a go. And it made me think about someone who was involved in the writing world, that the writing world doesn't do that very well. Publishing world is all about the end product. Open mic events are usually, you've got to put your name down, you've got to apply, you've got to rehearse. And I felt that there was a need for something where we could create an environment where people just came along and read anything they liked, whatever it was, fiction, non-fiction, poetry, or even just tell a story, because uh, oral storytelling in this country has a very rich history. Um, without there being prizes, without there being awards, without anyone being judged. And so we've been doing it for five, four or five years, and, uh, and it's been great fun. So, and I called it Spirit of Punk because it is in the spirit of punk. Uh, exactly about having a go. I do have, so whether you came with something prepared, whether you just want to listen, I do have some um, pads and pens which I'll put on a couple of tables that you are more than welcome to just write something at any point if you are so inspired and then get up and read it. Um, the only stipulation is that it be no longer than a Ramones song. For those of you who don't, don't know the Ramones, they're very short songs. Um, I have a very short attention span. I'm yet to yank anyone off for going on too long, so it's sort of just basically 
just, uh, and it has to be your own work. I don't want anyone getting up here and reading Margaret Atwood. We've all read it. We're, I'm more interested in your own work. Uh, so basically, just put your hand up and say, I'll have a go. There will be lots of breaks where we can have drinks. There'll be food coming around. Um, the most important thing is just to listen, enjoy, and have fun. I also just want to point out that uh, this point each year, so I do about three of these a year, and this one is always the one where, uh, so I, uh, amongst others here tonight, teach at Swinburne uh, University, um, and our diploma students, this is their informal graduation, so um, this is an opportunity, um, an opportunity for them to read something out. Um, there is no expectation on anyone to read anything out except for them. Um, and for them to celebrate and have fun and enjoy what they have been through. I also have a tradition of um, reading the first piece uh, just to put everyone at ease. I set the bar very low so everyone knows uh, what, there's no expectations. But I know it's always hard to get someone to come up first. So I will read the first piece and then I will open it up to anyone else. This is a, a short non-fiction piece called um, I Can Tell Anyone Anything. Uh, I can tell anyone anything. Let me tell you why. I can tell a hairdresser I'd prefer they didn't talk. I can tell a call centre worker I don't believe their name is Bruce. I can tell a slow waiter I haven't got all day. I can tell anyone anything. Let me tell you why. I can tell a car washer they missed a spot, a large spot. I can tell a bartender their head on the beer's too big. I can tell a doctor I had to wait too long to see them. I can tell anyone anything. Let me tell you why. I can tell a colleague they're not pulling their weight. I can tell a student, have you thought of another career? <laughs> I can tell a friend, our friendship's over. I can tell anyone anything. Let me tell you why. I can tell my sons that I love my daughter more. I can tell my daughter I love my sons more. I can tell a partner, time's up. I can tell anyone anything. Let me tell you why. I can tell anyone anything because I had to tell my dad that his daughter was dead. Yes, I can tell anyone anything. Thank you. And that was Nick Brush, writer and founder of Spirit of Punk, with his flash memoir, I Can Tell Anyone Anything. Next up is Annie Drum. Annie's piece, Tattooed Mother, featured in our very first season, and it was read by actor Petra Gleason. Here is Annie, who travelled 100 plus kilometres to read her piece. It's called Kindness. Who would like to go next? Fantastic. Love it when the hands shoot up. I'm going up the front because I've always wanted to be on stage. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. My, it has now. My name's Annie and my piece is inspired by a member of my family. And it's called Kindness. He taught me kindness. In between lessons, he'd sit in the shed and sip on, on bottles of beer that he kept cool in two old kerosene fridges in the corner. 
Long after they were fashionable, he kept the fridges going, and when he turned them off at last, they became cupboards for his papers and coin collections. When we moved the sheep from the house paddock to the 200 acre, he drove behind, hollering commands and put-downs throughout the four-mile trip. If a sheep ran in another direction, he'd be apoplectic, the whites of his eyes like flames in his red face. I never, in all the years, got used to the names he called us. At the other end, gates shut, sheep grazing in the new green pick, he'd pass us fruit bonbons in the warm cabin, their sweetness mingling with the saltiness of our tears. Always be kind to dumb animals, he'd say, rolling a cigarette, as the sheep, with their clipped bottoms, made their way toward the river. On the first day of the Christmas holidays, he went to the pub and stayed until the car was packed, returning with melted icy poles wrapped in newspaper that we thanked him for, for his kindness. The trip took all day and we took in the sights from the window while he took in each pub along the way. When we'd arrive, he'd walk to the pub while we unpacked, promising to bring us something for tea. At midnight, he'd wake us with cold, greasy, limp fish and chips. He'd pour beer from a can into a pink anodized cup. You'll eat it all up, he'd say. I got it just for you. Kindness wrapped in barbed wire. One year it rained for the entire week, so we packed up early. We waited for him, our wet clothes sticking to the car seat. We watched him coming along beside the other caravans, calling out to people in his kind, friendly way. As we drove out of town on the last rise, we looked back for our final glimpse of the sea for another year. And something thumped the front of the car. He pulled over and got out. It was a small brown dog, eyes rolling, bleeding from the mouth. He got the shovel from the boot and smashed it on the little head. It's the kind thing to do, he said. He taught me everything I know about kindness. And that was Annie Drum reading her piece called Kindness. Next up is Erica Murdoch with a piece about her dad. It's called Mind Your Own Business. Hi, I'm Erica and I wrote this as an assessment piece. Yeah, so I got a good mark for it. It's called, it's called Mind Your Own Business. I don't know why I snoop in dad's underwear drawer. I'm a bored 10-year-old child. There are enormous boxer shorts and rolled up grey woolly work socks. I see a brown paper bag. I open it, expecting to find a copy of Playboy. Instead, sitting on top of the boxer shorts are two books, The Cultivation and Growing of Marijuana and Marijuana Made Easy. I look through the books, hoping for something that would explain their presence. I sniff for clues, but no telltale sign of anything except new book smell. My father is a conservative man who detests hippies, beards, alcohol, cigarettes and the Beatles, who he blamed for everything. So why would he have books like these? This was a man who read The Australian and worshipped Robert Menzies. I considered asking my mother about the books but dismissed the idea. 
Surely she knew about the contents of the paper bag. I arrive home after several years overseas. I'm an unsettled 30-year-old and not wanting to be home, but Dad has been sick, so home I come. First Friday night out and my old car is waiting. I grope for the street directory and draw out a sandwich bag containing what looks like lawn clippings. I sniff the bag and the pungent smell of weed whacks me in the face. I drive across town. I drive 10 kilometres below the speed limit. I pull up at traffic lights half a kilometre out. I do not want an encounter with the police. What if they search the fucking car? Oh, officer, I don't know how it got there. I haven't driven my car for years. While waiting for a traffic light to change, I'm hit by a surge of memory. Jesus, the Italian tomato plants. Years before, 20 years old and probably hungover, I'd been lurking around the backyard. A plant looks out of place under the grevilleas. Oh, that kind of plant, with that kind of leaf. It's what I was supposed to be doing, growing plants like that. Not a man of 74. Dad had lumbered around the side of the house and pulled up short when he saw me. What are these, I said, remembering the underwear drawer. Italian tomato plants, mining them for your cousin. Pretty, aren't they? They'll be gone in a couple of days. Really? Really, Italian tomato plants. And he had fixed me with a beady-eyed glare. I am an uptight 30-year-old with a father who is dying of cancer. I have a gnawing dread and a need to know, yet I'm afraid of what I might find. I drive to the farm, knowing full well Dad won't be there. The four-hour drive gives me time to think. I need to snoop and poke around. I thought I knew every bit of the landscape, every inch of dirt and rusty nail. I fussed around the house looking for hidden panels and fake doors. Nothing except empty house smell. Dad doesn't come here anymore as the driver's beyond him. I wander out to the machinery shed, struck by the fact there seems to be an addition of a lean-to with a padlocked door. I run my hand along a shelf, cluttered with old paintings, and my hands close over a tea. Oh, surely not, I think. It's too easy. The key turns in the padlock, and the chain clunks as the door swung open. Inside the lean-to, it's bright. There's clear perspex roof. Seize to that. In front of me is a nursery of 50 marijuana plants, half a metre high, and two monster plants looming over the rest like benevolent bodyguards. The air is pungent and fetid and jungle-like. I close the door, taking care to padlock it. We speak of it once a few days later when I'm back in the city. I look at his yellow face on the pillow and say, I know what's up there, you know, at the farm. Dad shifts a bit and gives me the same beady eye glare from years earlier. Tightly, he says, mind your own business. I never see the plants again. A few weeks before he died, he went to the farm with a friend, made a bonfire and threw all the plants on it. The smoke would have risen high and black above the paddocks. Just another farmer doing a Sunday burn-off, although the smell of the smoke must have been quite different. Dad died and I did the sick room clean-up. In the same underwear drawer was the detritus of illness, a packet of colostomy bags, Panadine Fort, Rehypnol, prescriptions and a bottle of morphine. Nestled amongst it all was another bag of weed. I sold it to my ex-landlord for $400. (laughs) He told me later it was the best he'd ever smoked. Dad would have been pleased. Farmers are always proud of a good crop. And our final piece for this episode is by Memoria alumni Helena Spiru with her piece called Nadine. This is a piece about um, teenage obsession. Nadine, Nadine, we meet again. Tonight we're at the Playbox. I'm in row E, 
and you're in B and I light up when you turn to me and smile. That smile takes me back to my first sight of you at the tote. I dance to your girl band sexy tune while your Judy Garland voice teases the punters. Your smile is for me, I'm sure of that Nadine. Your smile makes a beeline for me through sweaty bodies sashaying, swinging hip to hip, swirling and soaking up the bass from the floor. You're one sexy dancer, my friend shouts in my ear, but I look at you Nadine to say, I dance only for you, for you, Nadine. We meet on Saturday nights like this, each time a friend with me to witness your smile for me, Nadine. Your band breaks up and you're lost to me, Nadine, till I meet you again every now and again. Memoria is written and produced by me, Matt V. Music in this episode is by The Blue Dot Sessions. Each episode is illustrated by Peter Manning. Special thanks goes to Jen Farrow for her recording tech on the night and Nick Brush for letting us record his event. A special thank you to the writers who took part in this episode. Nick Brash, Annie Drum, Erica Murdoch and Helena Spiro. Don't forget to leave us a review. Every like and comment is important to us or share our episodes with your family and friends and help us spread the word. Until next time.